Hi everyone, welcome to Chewing the Fats. It's a lovely sunny day. I'm with Jeff Dale. So Jeff was a photographer and he started his career in 1970. He's worked for the New Zealand Herald as well as a bunch of other publications. He's released a book covering his work called Press Pass and has won five Qantas Awards for his photography. Welcome Jeff. Hi, how are you? Good. So, do you want to begin with just telling us a little bit about your history as a photographer and journalism? How you got into it and that whole thing? Yeah, sure. I, you know, studied um, at, at Auckland Grammar and um, was introduced to photography because I'd injured my leg, and they, the family thought I was going to be unable to play rugby, but I was luckily able to carry on and played some good rugby in my younger years. But, but uh, was introduced to this photography, and it was like magic watching this stuff develop in the dark and seeing what negatives could do etc and so I luckily got a chance to do some uh, work experience at the Herald and thought that's just exactly where I want to work and and the job came up and put my name in and I got hired as a, straight out of college so that was brilliant but in those days of course you you're a darkroom technician for a couple of years you didn't <laughs> carry a camera or anything like that so it was and it was everyone dressed in suits you know and um in the dark room. In the dark room, dressed in a suit, doing all the mixing of chemicals and. Um, but so from that, you know, I, I stuck at it. A lot of lot of guys came and went, um, but I stuck at it and um, and finished up, you know, um, having a, a brilliant career. You know, competing with an opposition newspaper across the road, the Auckland Star had, you know, twelve photographers and we had sixteen, and we were hammer and tong at each other trying to prove who was the better paper and. Um, it was a brilliant time, I and mean, you know nothing like that exists anymore. And and, and uh, sadly, you know it, it's a sad case that, that it doesn't anymore. That the, the quality of news photography has just vanished, and it's a, a, a dying art. But um, a great career, and I got to do some amazing things, see some amazing people, and uh, so on. So, do you want us to tell us about? I mean, you worked for the Herald for a long time. Yeah, 20, 28 years at the Herald, um, full-time, and then when I left, I went back and did work for them um, the weekends, and then I I got a, a gig with their, their real estate section for another six years, so I was still sort of, you know, there and thereabouts, but, yeah. What are some of the most memorable stories that you've covered without... Because we're gonna we're gonna head into the well, book and yeah. have a look at some of those photos. But do you have any sort of major moments in terms of what you've covered? It. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it 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 doesn't matter really which year you think about. There was, you know, nearly twenty thousand pictures I had published over the time I worked there, and 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 every year there was stuff that that is memorable. Whether it was the Pope's visit and how do I get a picture of the Pope doing a hongi, or you know, setting up for such a, a major event, or. Uh, it, year in year out, there were just handfuls of things that were just so memorable, and you felt so privileged to be the man on the spot there, trying to prove uh, that you had the ability to capture the event properly, and um, and you know you had your own team there trying to outshoot you, and you know it was just brilliant to be in that lucky position that you were in the front row, and you were having to perform, you know, having to produce the pictures. So. What what made you kind of want to do that though? I don't know. It just it just it just seemed to me so exciting to be uh, there. I, my my first visit to the Herald, I I spent most of the time with some guys in, on a publication called the Weekly News, and and they were 
week in week out traveling the country uh, maybe they'd be go f uh, fishing one week or they'd be down south following the lions tour or something you know they were doing such exciting stuff and i thought man but i do remember early on in my career a day where i, I went out on a, a submarine with the australian Air, uh, naval team and a famous yachtsman here called chris buzade and we spent the day attacking shipping in the gulf and i think i was 19 Cool. And I thought, wow, how many 19-year-olds get to look through a periscope while we're attacking a ship? And just really, that was just amazing. I got off the bus that day and thought, that's what my career's going to be like. I mean, it's going to be good. <laughs> so you had a lot of fun then, travelling around and pitching, yeah. you know, like... And you must have met some characters along the way, eh? Yeah, I mean, some of the characters are, stick with you when you're trying to sort of um, illustrate a paper every day you've got to come up with something that's going to hold the page and so you do you, you meet some amazing people the day for instance we were charged two dollars to go on the beach at parkery beach and um we heard about it from my father-in-law so we went up there and sure enough the the river had changed tack and it was down the bottom end of the beach so the, the, the local maori were charging everyone two dollars to go on the beach and you know driving back to work with that story it, it, we knew it was big, you know, we, it went, the whole of Parliament basically turned over to the story for the whole week, you know, like, just because you were there. and, and you... So you didn't anticipate any of that stuff happening? Well, we knew that it was fairly newsworthy, but right. was it true, you know, yeah. and that's the point, you've got to be part photographer and part journalist, you've got to sort of read between the lines and, and decide whether this is actually true or not. That must be a big part of your job, though. Yeah, right? it's, and it's a fun part. I love that. Getting my teeth into that sort of stuff is great. Because you're looking, at, you're looking at a situation that's happening in front of you, and you're looking for an angle of sorts, yeah. right? photographic angle. Photographic yeah. angle, but, you know, to tell a story. How do you decide which story to tell when you... Let's say you've got something in front of you, there's a, there's a crowd or something like this. What, how, do you, how do you choose which frame you want to tell that story through or, or, or with well it's amazing because what when you trained your eye and i and i talk about training your eye with three pictures of everything you shoot one of those three is going to be better than the other two but but what's happening is you're training your eye and you know whether you've got the picture i mean um a number of occasions where i've just stayed in the press conference because i haven't got it yet it's not in the camera every other guys are rushing off to get their pictures off to the editor because they want to be first and quick and on the ball but I know that hasn't it isn't there yet so I'm staying you know and sure when you finish up with the picture and the boss rings you up and says good work mate you got it you know that you saw the picture when it happened and you knew you didn't have it until it happened you know that sort of thing how do you but how do you know that how do you like just what, what is training, it years and training, years of training right? yeah you just basically you know whether the pictures worked for you or it hasn't you know just you just it's not in the can yet, you know? You've got pictures, but there's nothing telling the story yet. So and is that the difference between just what you said earlier about the difference between, say, photographic journalism going down the sort of tube? Yeah. Yeah. And the, like that, that sort of thing versus, mm. okay, well, I need to get this shot. I need to get the shot and I, and I want to tell a story with it. Is that the kind of difference that you're talking about? Yeah. And, and, and um, being proud of the fact that you told the story in a picture. One picture's told the whole story, and that's that's what it took. Um, but you know, now they want it in video form, and they don't need somebody to tell the picture. One. Let's story. talk about that real quickly. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I mean, I mean, I'm 
gutted because I, I you know I, I pick up the paper and see the front page pictures a selfie and then I think how disappointing and I turn to page three and it's another selfie a different story obviously but what yeah where's the class in that there's yeah. no storytelling in that there's no um yeah is it a different kind of storytelling I mean yeah I it is it's, it's Facebook news you know to me it's just basically you know um slap it out there and let everyone make their decisions themselves don't you know don't don't go to any trouble because you know there isn't any trouble to be gone to you know just it's really sad yeah so when you're um when you when you're tasked with going through and picking up some of new zealand's major events um tell me about how you feel with regards do you feel responsible for picking up a particular story and telling it the right way or like you know how yeah you i'm sure it? i'm sure we do i mean i think the new zealand herald had a great um uh history of of doing doing stories correctly properly and and we were we were taught even as photographers we sat into journalism courses and learned how to make notes and who where when why and all that sort of stuff and that was what we were responsible for and we were we were also tasked to be the journalist's assistant some of the journos were quite young i must have taught a lot of the young journos and being young i um I was responsible to make sure that they were, didn't have the wool pulled over their eyes. You know, they didn't have somebody tell them a story that wasn't true. There's a great story of a of a, of a car dealer in Auckland here trying to trying to sell uh, a fabulous old Rolls Royce. So he dressed himself up as a sheikh, and he tricked everyone into believing he'd come from Saudi Arabia to buy the last in a line of Rolls Royces. This was the last one he needed to fill the whole set, and everyone bought it. Hook, line, and sinker. All the television channels, radio ran the story, and you knew it was rubbish. Well, I didn't know. I, I had luckily wasn't pulled oh, out right, on that right, one. Right, but right, there's right. an example of somebody just pulling the wool over the journo's eyes. You know, I mean, they, they just bought it hook, line, and sinker. Great that, story. Does know? that happen anymore, by the way? That you can that you can tell. Well, it's I don't all know. over I'm, the sort I'm, of can Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, you know, I'm sure there are people out there. You know, trying to sort of. You know, get their mileage out of something. I mean, we all, we all, if we've got a story to tell and we can get free publicity, it's a damn good way of getting some publicity of something. Yeah. Advertis advertisements, you know, and, um, you know, I, um, I do it all the time. If I, if in my business, you know, if I'm trying to find a way of getting some publicity, you know, I'll use the free side first. But, but as a journo, you've still got to read between the lines and decide whether somebody's actually telling a porky here. Yeah. Know, so, well, do you see yourself versus? Well, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a as a photographer, yeah. a journalist, or a bit of both? I think I am a photojournalist, photographer. Yeah, but in, in photojournalism, it's not quite like um, doing a magazine like National Geographic type photojournalism. It's more um, finding the truth and and telling it in a picture. It's on the ground, eh? Yeah. You know, you have to you react to this. Do you react to this? Actually, there's a good question because. One of the things I've done a lot of street photography, and it's you whether you decide to be proactive or reactive in terms of your environment. Yeah. So, you know, for example, do I want to sort of like push through there, or do I want to stand back? And then you do you know what I mean? Like, how do you how do you determine? Well, I mean, your you, know, approach? you 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 have to put yourself on the front line and be brave enough to do that because you know we get a Queen Street riot and um, and and you're being threatened because the people there know that your pictures are going to be used. To yeah. put, put all the people in the pictures in trouble, 
and so they're threatening you and so you've got to stand up and say well look I've got to do a job I'm sorry mate <laughs> this is my job and this is public property here so I can be here yeah. and I'm allowed to be here and I'm going to be here it's a bit of guts eh? well yeah the guy's threatening to knife me and he's you know reaching in his jacket and you know all this sort of stuff and you've got to stand up to it and um luckily there was enough police there to sort of like they came in waves and then the next time the wave came i just stepped towards them and he took off and left again but you didn't know he was still there somewhere chasing he was right it was disappointing that he was right that all my pictures were subpoenaed but i still had to do the job yeah you started to get there and tell us about the idea of construction uh, constructing an image right well so you know sometimes you have an idea and you think wonder if that would make a neat picture and so you research what is the background to it and how you would make a picture and you might go out and set your camera up and play around with slow shutter speeds and film and stuff and, and then on the day when it happens you've actually put yourself out there and you've given yourself a chance to get something really really memorable that's yours that you designed thought up created and it's just so um good well, I was going to ask you, I, this is probably a bit of a, a funky question, but do, do you, have you found by and large the, the pictures that you take that are really sort of like spontaneous and it's a split second decision to take that photo because you see it mm-hmm. versus the ones that you spend, you know, potentially hours testing and da 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 da. Which one do you find that you... I, I think the hours testing ones are, are the ones that are yeah. your your best work. Yeah. I mean, but but also if you've got the eye to know that that was something unusual so there's a nice combination they, they both they can both win you prizes you know but um, um, if that's what you're after but but in <laughs> other words you know you you, you 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 can make a difference with both of them but I think you, you only get to shoot those ones spontaneous ones if you've done the tr- training and you've designed pictures and worked on pictures and Suddenly, you see something that's so far left field. What's that? You know, you you can see that's unusual, and you just go for it. Yeah, it, it's very um satisfying, um, when, a job to have been involved with. But you know, in I I have a coffee meeting every Monday morning with some old mates, all all ex great photographers, and we sit around you know chin wagging about how sad it is that. Let's talk about that. Today's paper doesn't have. Anywhere near the sort of pizzazz it used to. Okay, what's it? So obviously the consensus between you and these other ex or I'm assuming this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We well, went The four of us have got two hundred years of photography. That's us pretty <laughs> impressive. You know, yeah. yeah. So there's a Lots lot. There's a lot of sort of knowledge and wisdom in that. What What do you think it is though? I mean, we talked a little bit before about just sort of like taking it for what it is in this Facebook journalism type stuff. Mm. But do you? Th- I mean. Can you can you can you bring it down to something? You know, would you say it's like laziness, or would you say it's a shift in the way that we perceive pictures? Except- I think it comes comes from the fact that the industry, the, the actual newspaper industry, is a sunset industry. It's a dying industry. If it was competitive, if they still had two or three newspapers in Auckland competing every day, um, and you know people were, were, were buying a newspaper on the way to work the way they used to. Um, it was the way we took news, you know, news has changed and so therefore it just has changed and there's nothing that's going to bring us back. Um, it, it's still a wonderful period and I think people can, can enjoy looking at it and seeing what we made of it, but um, I just don't see it returning in a hurry. I mean, the, 
I spoke a couple of years ago about the fact that you know it's it's a dead industry because they pay more money for a a, a pat picture of somebody leaving a restaurant with somebody they shouldn't be with than they do for a, a month long assignment covering some major event. Can you see in 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 the sort of the the larger media landscape? Can you see a space where photography is sort of valued in the way that you think it should be? Like in terms of a mag, mag, there's magazines. Yeah, or... I mean, I still see things that I, I pick up and think, gosh, that's quite well done. Um, things like the, um, what, are they, what are some of those? Um, well, uh, Red Bull magazine, I think, is one of them. They spend some yep. money on photography and yep. they actually go get somebody that knows what they're doing and give them a decent sort of you know, budget to do something properly. And, that, and that's cool. I love that sort of stuff because that's what I. I get off on. I mean, I, I used to really enjoy the opportunity in going doing a page full of photographs for the Herald. They'd say, "Look, give us a page of photographs, and if if a big ad drops, we've got something that just slots in there." So you'd finish up getting a really beautiful display of something, and yeah. you know, the ghost town in the middle of the North Island that I found, you know, and some old guy living in the back of it, you know, catching possums. And I just went round it and made this beautiful set of pictures and. And, you know, when it came out, I had photographers from all over the country saying, wow, that's great. But it was just the opportunity, and and the Herald needed something to f drop into a page when somebody dropped a huge, huge ad out, you know. Air New Zealand wasn't going to publish this week. Or something, you know? Right, it's, it's like just some filler or something. It's just like a filler page, yeah. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, but it still looks great, oh, though. Yeah, great. yeah, yeah. You really yeah. could just, you know, dig your teeth into it. It was all black and white in those days, and a lot of fun. Um, but, um... Yeah, and we, you know, going through the change to colour yep. was a big, big change. We had to get somewhere to process it and all that sort of stuff, and I was some, I had something to do with that. But then, then from colour, going from colour to digital, I remember going to, flying to Taranaki, with the first digital camera, to cover a rugby game on a on a Friday night, and I had five minutes of photography, I had, to shoot and get the pictures, online. For the deadline because oh, right. Saturday's paper was such an early deadline because it was right. already most of the paper was printed by Saturday, yeah. And the Friday night little each you know front edition part of it with this, this up to date sports picture from tonight's rugby. So it really did shift the focus, didn't it, in terms yeah. of speed? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, speed was important. How could we, how quick could we do it? And so, you know, I, I think I got a line out picture and ran upstairs, it's the worst thing I could ever photograph a picture. Stuck it on the system, and it's there on the on the sports page the next morning. And I was, I think I was five minutes late. You know, they held the whole paper up for five minutes because I was so. It took me so long to get the system working. But yeah, digital photography started in nineteen ninety five. Ninety five. Yeah, uh, we're gonna. No, ninety eight. That was ninety eight. Sorry, digital digital photography. Ninety eight. When that was a, the Canon yeah, Canon one D or yeah, something yeah. like that. I think it was even a predecessor to the one D. Oh, predecessor. Yeah. Okay. Right. Because I had the one D. I bought two one Ds for the two thousand and three Rugby World Cup. Yeah. Um, and they cost me eleven grand each. Whoa. Yeah, I think that was back then as well. Yeah, so it's quite a bit of money. Oh yeah, it must be twenty grand in today's money or something yeah. like that each. Yeah. Worth nothing now, of course. And I'm still using the same lenses. That's the important yeah, thing. Yeah, that is, yeah, that is. Spend the money on the lens. Yeah, you always see. the lens, never the body. So Jeff, we'll we'll come back. I really want to get like, stuck into some of that more technical stuff because I love okay. that stuff. But yeah. what we'll do in the in the meantime is I'd lo really like to sort of look at your book and some of the some of the pictures that you've taken because 
they're incredible and they really do picture they really do capture some of the most sort of um, interesting parts of New Zealand's history so do you have a few pictures you want I to explain to us? I suppose the favourite one and the one that people would know most is a picture of um, some politicians called the Fish and Chip Brigade just by the way listeners we if you listen to this uh, the pictures are online go to the Facebook page facebook.com forward slash in the Fat Podcast, and you can see these pictures as we talk about them. So, do you, do you want to describe this picture to us? Because this yeah, so this four, picture I know very well. Yeah, so basically, four politicians who had um, attempted to take the leadership of the Labour Party in 1981 from you know a caucus meeting, and they lost out. They really wanted um, David Longy to, to lead Labour into that 81 election. Who's this? So, um, from from so from, from left, left to right, yeah, we've got David Longy. Michael Bassett, uh, Roger Douglas, and Mike Moore. Yeah, and they're eating fish and chips around a table. They just lost this caucus vote by one deciding vote to... Um, I mean, who was the leader at the time? Because that was when Muldoon was in power, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why am I having a mind blank? I mean, I should just basically turn the page here. And I'll tell you all about so, it. And, and basically, <laughs> so Bill Rowling uh, had, had the designing vote and he held the leadership and they lost that election. This but, is, yeah. Sorry, they lost the election. Yeah. They lost the election. So I, I, I followed them to the fish and chip shop and shot some pictures, but it didn't work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't, yeah, work, yeah, didn't yeah. work. Didn't yeah. have it. Didn't have it. So I went back and knocked on the door and said, can I get a picture of you having the Yeah, sure. Okay, click one picture. I think I may have got one or two pictures. And this is one of them. And that's the picture that we published. And they were called the Fish and Chip Brigade throughout there. Because of this yeah. photo. Yeah. And everybody knows this. I know this photo really well. For people, maybe, I don't know. It's Because it's they really... won the election in 84. Yeah. So they were, they were in power. Yeah. These guys took us through the next three years. But So it was quite nice to sort of think that my efforts you know, finished up. Didn't win me any awards. Well, it's, but it's an iconic image of yeah. New Zealand's history. And one of, one of the things that I'm kind of astounded by this picture is how, I mean, you, you just knocked on the door and said, hey, look, can I take a picture, please? Mm. Well, so they'd, they'd seen me come across and photograph them getting the fish and chips. They, they knew I knew who they, what, what had happened. Yeah. Um, and uh, so they just went back to the, had a, have a bite to eat and talk about, you know, what it meant. And, uh, and I knocked on the door and they said, oh, all right. And um, I think the funniest thing was that David Longy never owned up to me that he liked the picture. Um, and yet, uh, when I found the person that bought his house, Willie Jackson bought his house, Willie said to me, "Really? upstairs in the bar upstairs in the house, uh, he's got a big blow up of it above the bar. That is so cool. It's an excellent picture. Hop <laughs> online, guys, and check it out. Um, yeah, this is a picture that I've always... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, I mean, it's just it had a bit of history to it, you know. It took a bit of getting and that sort of stuff, but you know, there's lots of um, things like that that I've that I've shot over the years that probably people would know that one more than most series of um, pictures. There's a picture here of a guy called Stephen Matchett, Stephen Christopher Matchett, who was a double murderer. He, he walked into the uh, bar out at um, Kaiawa and shot. The, two, the proprietor and his partner, and um, the next day he comes out of court in his underwear because he's a bit of a madman. And my picture just shows what sort of a madman he was. Yeah, it's quite a striking image, eh? 
And it's yeah. a nice, you know, the whole body composition is there as yeah. well, but it's also quite tight that it's intimate. And so we see the whole, you know, his sort of expression. You can see into it, can't yeah. you, there? And, you know, um, and the, the intriguing thing was that when I won the Qantas Award that year with that picture, he, that, he, okay, was, so, yeah. he was already dead. How did he die? He was stabbed to death in an argument over weights by some other prisoner. Wow. He didn't last a year in prison. What are the pictures do you have, Jeff? Well, this one, I suppose, is also important. The, um, the Dulux Award winner of 79, um, when the Erebus crash happened and we and we lost um, a lot of... Everyone lost somebody. I mean, in fact, the guy that bought me my first camera was an Air New Zealand um, staff member. He died on that plane. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, and Murray Davies here telling us the plane isn't still in the air that's all we knew that we didn't know where it was but it wasn't still flying because it had run out of fuel by now so that was quite a striking picture and um, the 2002 Qantas award picture of the year was one i did on the cover of the book where uh, a bunch of young fellows were involved in a, a shooting and somebody had died but the next day the police took a cat and threw it off a balcony just so they could bring their dog through the house and it Let's describe this picture. Can you, do you want to describe this picture? To yeah, so there's a back, back, back steps of a house and there's three armed defender squad guys all geared up with handguns and everything in the picture and one of them's just dropping a white Persian cat from the balcony. By the scruff of the neck, just, and you can tell there's quite a bit of distance from where he's dropping it to the ground below yeah. and he's right in the middle of doing it. How, how did you pick, how did you get this picture? Well, it, it, you know, I, I, I got myself in position because I went up into Helensville following these guys and they blocked off the road. So I asked the neighbours, where are they going? And they said, it's a street round the back and it's the house where the young guys live. And I said, how do you get there? And they said, go, oh, you go down the road here past the rugby club and turn right. So I got there before the armed defender squad. And so you found a point where you... <laughs> yeah, I could see the house and then they were, they were surrounding the house and then they decided to loud hail and move in. And then as they moved in, they threw this cat and I... I couldn't believe it, but I turned to the owner of the property I was in and said, did you see that? And as I did that, the cat ran up there and they threw it off again. <laughs> was it the first time or the second time? That was, was the first time. I was, was standing first talking time. to him and saying, did you see that? And, and did it again. Uh, oh. So, um, but then I sort of stopped and spoke to the other photographers about how I'd seen this cat being thrown and they said, yes, yeah, man, one man's dead. There's four people on the run. Are you telling me you've got a cat picture? And I said, yeah, well, but, it's, but it's quite a good cat picture. But doesn't that tell you <laughs> the sort of the what the the intention of the armed defenders squad at that particular point? That yeah. like, we don't care about this cat. Get it yeah, out of here. Yeah. You know. So they're not. We've got lives to, we've to got protect. To here, protect. You know? Yeah, totally. And that's that's. But sort so of, what do the readers want to hear about next week? That's right. What what happened to the cat? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There's this this <laughs> through line. Yeah. <laughs> But that's, I mean, but that's what sort of tells us the story. I mean, it's kind of quite a good example of like a bit of forethought in terms of how they're going to move through the house, what picture yeah. I'm going to be looking at, what lens, what length of lens I'm going to be shooting, all those sort of things. Yeah. Um, the funny thing, that's actually a film camera, and it was the latest Canon camera. I'd spent a lot of money on this camera, and one ENRS could shoot 12 frames a second. So with a full roll of 36, I've got three seconds of photography, and I'd already been out all day shooting stuff. Yeah. So I just turned it down from the 12 frames a second to about 6. Yeah. If I'd got the next frame, his right hand's carrying a gun, like that one. Yeah. It would have looked like he'd just about to shoot, shoot a cat. Shoot a cat, right. 
or he's shot the cat or something. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, I just changed. So the next frame is the cat's actually here. Ah, like so <laughs> the cat's actually below sort of where they're standing. Below their standing, yes. So the cat's falling. Yeah. And so the frame in between would have been... Brilliant. Yeah, would have been quite interesting. Probably a world beater. A world Why beater. Why is this policeman shooting cats? But anyway. <laughs> to save the lives of the you know occupants of the house, obviously. Um, what other what other pictures do you have, Jeff? The day or the the week of the last um, construction of the sky tower, I got up on the in the crane and looked at the top of the sky tower with some workers on top of it, and um, it's a lovely angle. Uh, Big wide lens. Yeah, so we've got a fifteen mil lens or something, and I'm looking down um, from above them, so you can see how high they are, and yeah, it's quite. There's a lot of perspective, and, and you know these guys are obviously celebrating and telling yeah, us what's that, what. that's that's a worthy one, Mandela, in '95. I quite enjoyed this story. It's a lovely health story out of North Auckland, and um, Kaitaia Hospital is saying that Harry had to look after his wife, Harry and Isla. Um, yeah, the Finlays. Basically, she was bedridden and you know with dementia and he had to take her home and look after himself and it was just a really sad story there was people marching in the streets and so on I had to try and tell it in the picture so I had to show his wife Isla looking unwell mm -hmm. but but I just got him looking staunch in the foreground and what made you shoot from a high angle is that well, purely I, because of yeah i mean i want to see her and i want to sort of make him look small. look staunch you know make him look staunch looking you know like i think if i if i sort of got on the same level with him then it wouldn't have had the same effect but if you see the bed i mean yes you can see the bed from that perspective as well yeah this is the day of the uh the power cut out in 1998 we had a major auckland power outage and um we had to find a way of illustrating that that night and I just had the thought when I was driving around town, if I went to the Rose Gardens, I could look back at the sunset and there'd be no lights on in the, in the town. So yeah. you exposed to the sunset yeah. and then everything else is obviously going to it's look It's just dark. a silhouette, but there's yeah. no lights on. You know, there's no, all the buildings are black. So it's just thinking of it quickly and thinking, of how am I going to illustrate that in a mad, mad rush? This was a horrible scene when the helicopter and the spotter plane crashed over Auckland. We lost three in the helicopter and the spotter plane pilot died too and how did you get to this so th this this picture here is there's a plane um on the motorway on the motorway and it's just crumpled out crumpled and we have what two fire fire engines behind and a bunch of sort of emergency people hmm. well basically I, I, we knew there was something major wrong because the whole of the city was gridlocked so i got a car out tried to drive somewhere got out of the car and ran, and I ran from Wyndham Street in the bottom of town all the way through to Karanga Happy Road, K Road, mm. where we could see something was amiss and we could get down from there onto the motorway. How did you get there? Did you just climb down trees? Well, like, some... that, that section of the motorway is actually accessible from Beresford Street uh, near K Road, so you go towards Ponsonby Road and then back in the back there, you can actually get onto what was a, a ramp that was to take another lane. I know the one, yeah. And yep. you could get down and run, run along the motorway. So, so you just hopped down there. Just ran along there. With, with your camera and just said, yeah. and then yeah. got in there. And because it looks, I mean, you're on a fairly longer lens there. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to get that close. I mean, the, yeah, we were being stopped. But we could stop. 
There were cars stopped there who unfortunately had to drive over this thing. They were still at full speed when it landed. Wow. So they were hitting bits of plane as they drove through, and um, they were just in shock. It was a horrible scene. Um, so you were down there taking those pictures, and obviously this would have been like sort of front page stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were there were there were better pictures. But there was a lovely picture taken by a colleague who we found a the tail rotor in the um, cemetery, the what? Jewish cemetery up on, on on Simon Street there. What? And there's this tail rotor sitting leaning against it. Whoa! Amazing picture. I mean, that that probably shows you the carnage more, but. It was just still a very powerful shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about any other political pictures and stuff? Yeah, I did two years in Parliament, and there was a lovely picture I shot of um, of one of the um, politicians who'd got into trouble over um, uh, Maori things. What was it called? Now I'm trying to think. It was probably my first pap. I'm trying to think where it is. Sorry, what's a pap? Well, a pap is when you actually choose to go and photograph somebody who doesn't want to be photographed, who's trying to avoid being photographed. Right, okay, I don't you're going, yeah, this <laughs> is here. Yeah. So here we go. Duncan McIntyre walking through from Parliament um, after a Royal Commission of Inquiry on marginal lands had him in court. His daughter and son-in-law had been given some land and they borrowed money from the Marginal Lands Board to do it up and it was really... Dodgy. Dodgy. And so yeah. this is in 1981. Yeah, so Duncan um, was a you know senior member of the National Party. Um, went to ground. No one could see him, find him. No one could, you know. So I sort of went and found a position where he walked home from Parliament. Yeah, with the weight of his sh- you know, on his shoulders, and got a picture of him. Um, yeah, that was a parliamentary sort of like coup. Because as the whitewash came out, ran the picture. Of well, him. was he was he in Parliament? Yeah, he was. No, sorry. What, was he in? Um, was he in government? Or? Yeah, yeah. He was a uh, government minister. Ah, the old Muldoon national mm. people, hey. Yeah, and I mean, it was a bit of a dodgy deal that he'd done in the back room to make sure his daughter and son-in-law got some money from the Maori Marginal Lands Board. Did he get taken to court and yeah, tried? It a, and it was a royal commission. It was oh a wow! Inquiry. Okay. Yeah. Big, big full-on one. Okay, so yeah. we're looking at a picture of Dean Barker. Yeah. Do you want to describe the situation around this picture and how you got it and what you were thinking and all that sort of stuff? So, yeah, I, I was um, assigned to cover the press conference after NZL82 had, had lost the first race uh, in the defence uh, in 2003 America's Cup. And um, basically Dean had um, raced his first race and lost it after it turned out the two boats had actually collided in warm-up. Mm. One of them almost sank and his one took on water and eventually broke a mast and did all sorts of strange things. But the first press conference and he's holding it together really well and we're thinking, you know, what's what, what's going on here? And I just, I knew I didn't have a picture until finally he just grabbed his face and pulled his eye down a little bit and it was just enough to sort of see through the mask he'd put up. And, mm. um, it, and you said as well that you, uh, you actually waited until after the the press conference for the picture well no a lot of the juno photographers had rushed off with their first pictures to make the paper but i knew that i hadn't got the picture in the can but then when i did get this in the picture editor rang me and said you got it mate that's it and it went on to win me three grams worth of travel (laughs) 
Yeah. Was this shot with digital? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. Digital, yeah. So that was a, an early 1D Canon camera. Yeah. And, um, I, I see, yeah, right. Year. I bought it that year for the for the Rugby World Cup. I was going to go off to Australia and cover the Rugby World Cup, but I actually bought ah, two of, of them. 11 grand each. 11 grand. Ooh. Bit of money, eh? Yeah. But um, the Queen Street riots was amazing, you know. That did you, was just did you cover of apartheid stuff? The, the, the apartheid, um, the riots of the apartheid? The riots, you mean, oh, you mean 1981? Yeah, that yeah. stuff. Did you yeah. cover that? Well, actually, I was in Wellington covering Parliament at the time, so there wasn't a lot happened in Wellington. In Wellington, nothing, it was all in Auckland, eh? Well, there was things that happened, but there, there was nothing, it wasn't the biggest protest. The Auckland one was the major. Yeah. And um, and so Wellington, I was actually sort of on covering Parliament and making sure we had somebody there in case, you know, they changed their mind or whatever they did there. So I was I was really uh, kept away from the 81 Springbok tour a little bit. To describe this picture, again, listeners, please go into the, to the Facebook thing to check out this picture. But this is a Harbour Swim um, of Auckland. And where are we? We're in the North Shore somewhere. Yeah, we're in Stanley, uh, Stanley Point. Uh, swimming back from there in, in Devonport, heading yep. back to the city. And uh, you've, you've got 10 minutes from the time the swimmers arrive till they've gone. And so you've, you're quickly trying to find an angle. And I finished up, the one I liked was this one where I'm looking over a bather's cap as he's putting his goggles on. And then beyond him, there's two or three doing the same thing. And then there's others diving into the water. And then there's a bunch of them swimming out. And, and then halfway across the picture, you see the cityscape. And above that, a big black cloud so it was a sort of a stormy old day and you know the picture um held a news page in the paper from that so it came off and and, and funny enough when you look at the other pictures i shot there was a dog that swam across with its owner and so there were other things but you know what i mean you you cover everything that happened and then you come back to the picture that you think tells the story the most and i like the textures and the layers of the picture that we chose. And you use used quite a wide lens as well. Yeah, I mean, you'd probably use a 16 to 35 lens on your on your camera and um, it's full frame and you just basically, um, but you'd have longer lenses with you and you'd be shooting long lens stuff and you'd be you know, trying to cover the whole event and making sure you didn't miss anything. And, you know, at the end of the day, one of the pictures is going to jump out from the other bunch. Yeah. Ah, pretty impressive. Yeah, so lots of lots cut. of different lots of different moments in sort of in New Zealand's history that you've that you've been really privileged to go and yeah, you know, um, I love the picture of, of Muhammad Ali because he's um, he's visited Auckland. I had to try and find a way of oh. saying he's in Auckland. You know, let's let's talk about this picture because it's yeah. quite a, quite a stunning one. Okay, so this is nineteen seventy nine. This is Muhammad Ali. He's strolling up Auckland Street, Queen Street, and I've been assigned to go and photograph him. He's chatting to little old ladies and doing stuff and signing autographs. And I'm thinking, but I, I need to say that he's in Auckland. We walked around the corner um, uh, at the top of Queen Street, right near the town hall, and um, and then he yelled out at some young lads walking across the road, "Hey, do you want to fight?" And these young guys looked at him and thought, "Oh." That's Muhammad Ali, you know. And so I, straight, I sprinted around behind these two young boys who were throwing punches at Muhammad and he's just, you know, looking like he's about to eat them. Yeah. 
And uh, we ran the picture on the front page, and luckily for me, there's town halls in the picture, so we yeah. knew it's Auckland. He's yeah, in Auckland. Yeah, yeah, you can place it. Yeah, so I've got it all in one picture, and then I took a print along to his hotel the next day, and when his entourage walked out, I sidled up to them and showed them the picture, and he, he, he signed it. doesn't know how to spell Jeff, because he's American, J-E-F-F. -F. <laughs> but um, it's a pride and joy... You know, a fantastic athlete, and my my son reckons he's the um, the heir to my signed picture of. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, right. Um, so yeah, you just basically. So do we need to talk, should we talk a little bit about the evolution of uh, of photography, perhaps? So, do you want to talk about how you feel about you know apart from the fact? No, let's move on from that one, actually. Um, yeah, some of the some of the advantages and disadvantages of using digital in in the way that you've seen. Yeah, well, I mean, the advantage of using digital is that you can have uh, a picture on the other side of the world before the event is finished. Um, and I can remember uh, the first time in the in the in the nineteen nineties. Uh, I think it was Torvald and Dean were performing at the Olympics, and there were pictures in Auckland before they'd finished their routine. And that was like what. Mm. How fast is that? Mm. You know, we always has to, you know, I can, 83 rugby tour, I would take photographs, I'd print them on prints and I'd stick them on a drum and I'd pull the phone apart, plug in the phone into the phone system and send the picture and would take a quarter of an hour to send that picture to the other side of the world. So it probably took me two hours from, the, from go to work, shoot the job, process the film, print the film, Put it on the drum, set up the wire system, and send the picture. Two hours to get the picture to the other side of the world. Um, yeah, and, of course, it's instant. And yeah, and so so fast. That's fantastic, and um, it means your pictures are being sent while you're shooting them. And and the last Rugby World Cup here, I was in charge of the photographic team that were there, um, and we'd have photographers just sending from a, a laptop beside them while they're shooting. They're still shooting. They're still sending. Pictures are uh, just great. How do you feel like the image? I mean, we talked about lenses earlier, and I would like to talk about that with you in a second. But how do you feel about the image quality of um, of digital versus film? film. Well, I mean, thirty five mil is 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 less quality really than we're getting now from digital. So, yeah, digital is a, a big advance in, in the news industry. You're getting much better quality. Um, but you know, you could you could equate you know, turn a quarter square or, you know, quarter plate or something like that with, with the digital world quite easily because some of their lovely old images were just gorgeous. But they have it, there's a sense of, there's a, there's a different kind of quality about that. Yeah, that's, that, that's a glass plate neg there, you see. Oh, so, right, okay. So that's a 1939 image and you can't fold it. Yeah, just perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Um, but it's like this big on the glass. Yeah, it's a massive image actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about gear. For a moment, let's just sort of nerd out a little bit. Do you have a favourite lens? Do you have a favourite camera? Yeah, well, I suppose, you know, that you, ca you can't fault what I've been using of late, and that's the sort of 16-35mm uh, uh, F2.8 L-series Canon lens, and the 70-200. That, that's basically what my kit consists of. I have a wider lens because I sometimes shoot real estate and I can use a sort of a um, 10 to 22 to get to get the real wide shots. 
but it's not my favorite lens. So those two lenses are adequate. But you've got to understand, when I started with six lenses in my kit, mm -hmm. I had to think about the lens I took out of my kit. And they're all primes, right? They're primes. Yeah. And so I've got to think about, what am I going to do with this 85mm lens? And I'm photographing this little old lady. All I'm going to get is a portrait. Is that what I want? Mm. Maybe that's what I want. I need the 85 on to get a nice portrait. You know, I might use 85 with four people in the picture. Now I've got to shoot f16 to get them all sharp, but it'll mm. be different. It'll be mm. really interesting because I'll get them all jammed up and I'll be sucked up. You mm. know what I mean? So that lens is doing an extra job for me, and I put it on for that reason. You don't have in your so let's say you go up for a shoot and you're carrying a 17 to 35 and a 70 to 200 or 70 to 200 is what you yeah, say. 70, yeah. You don't have focal length between 35 and 70. No. Why Except that I'm a 1.6 times anyway, so I'm ah, doing you're 20, cropped anyway. I'm doing 24 to, to 24 to 50 on one, and I'm doing sort of 90 to 250 on the other. Yeah, so you you shoot a cropped sensor as well. Yeah. That's interesting. But I, I mean, I can make a living out of virtually any digital camera you handed me because yeah. it's not necessarily what it shoots or how it shoots. It's more what you do with it. Yeah. What have I got? You know, I can remember learning how to shoot twin flash and the boss saying to me you're spending so much time getting your twin flash working for you and getting the beautiful lighting and everything but you haven't put any effort into actually framing up the picture right can you just forget about the flashes until you've framed up the picture you know what i mean it's a real learning curve he took me aside and said you know yeah sure the lighting's great but we've lost lost that art of getting the picture right yeah so oh Hang on a minute, and, so, you, and, you, sh and you shoot from, from the best photographer on the staff down to the second to last, and you've got to try and work your way up again. Uh, that was the daily thing. Yeah, right. Daily, so, you're working your way up the top. So what what about in terms of, and just do you have, I know I have certain um, preferences over stop if I can get around it. Do you have a certain preference for stop and shutter speed and things like that? Or does right. it all depend on the job or what you're doing? Look, I think um, you need to learn what, what you're trying to get at. I mean, why would you use an F2.8 lens at F8 all day, every day, unless, you know, you don't know what it does at F2.8? F2.8 is going to give you a special effect, you know. It's going to be lovely, special. Yeah. yeah. You know, an F1.4 prime lens... Is giving you a fantastically short depth of field, yeah. and that can be a great image. But if you don't, if you never shoot it at anything less than f8, well, what? You know, no idea what's going on? Yeah. Have you tried it f1.4? You know, like try it. It's yeah, really yeah. cool. Yeah, I have a 1.2 lens, and it's right. it's incredible. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's it's too 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 fine sure. a depth of field. Yeah. yeah. But it looks amazing for certain for certain things. So you know? what I do, I don't actually have one of those, but I have a 2.8. Um, tilt shift ah. and that gives me the same effect yeah. I can do a whole lot of stuff with that, that you know can you imagine like a, a swing that's in the park and there's no one in the picture and it's perfectly sharp and everything else is blown out you're basically saying you know where are the children gone or you you, you know you're saying what happened to my childhood or what you know you've, 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 you've by using this effect you're yeah. creating an image that can be used by anyone that you know, and that wants to tell a story about childhood or whatever it is, you know? Um, what about favourite film stock? <laughs> well, yeah, we used to use, you know, um, 
Kodak Tri-X was what we used for most of my... What was the life. speed on that one? 400 ASO. 400, yeah. Mm. So quite a sort of versatile speed. I, I basically use shoot everything at 400 now just because I know yeah. it's it's 250 to F11 out there. You know, that's yeah. what I know that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I you just keep to think to that. about it. Did you ever push film often? Oh, yeah. Yeah? But we did. But we did for different reasons. We might... You might want more contrast. Right. You know, so that you'd have to do... You'd have to dilute the developer and give it twice as much time and so that it would get a bit more contrast because it was a flat, dull old day, you know. Did you, I mean, how far did you push it? I mean, I did some stuff recently where I pushed three stops. That's yeah. like pretty yeah. intense, you know. Yeah, you know, well, you'd have to do that on your occasions. And like the guy that photographed the Rainbow Warrior sinking at 12 o'clock at night wasn't allowed on the wharf. He had to shoot it from the wharf alongside. Yeah. So he's had to shoot it bang from here with a flash and then try and process it so there's something on the film and he pushed it that three he pushed shots it heaps, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, and he, yeah. got, he got a great shot it was good on him he did well but we used to do things like boxing late at night we'd shoot it on two and a quarter square yep. um, a rolly cord and then we'd rush back to work and we'd develop it in 24 seconds in print developer what what's Deck toll, which what, is twice as, twice as fast to process or more than that. You, know, you, you have it quite warm. You just count 21 to do, you count 20 seconds and then stick it in the, in the um, hypo and now straight wet into the enlarger because you had to have a print now. Right, Papers right. Going to bed, you know? Yeah, right, right, and right. Here's the right. final punch. And, you know, like, and so it would, like, it would take you, um, you know, a minute to process a print, you know, get it developed, fixed. In the, in the enlarger it's crazy <laughs> just, yeah just yeah, think about quality, that right. yeah like it's it's just it's a different way because yeah. everyone who shoots film now is doing it for, for fun basically whereas yeah, there, was, exactly. there was a time where I mean, not just a time there was like decades of where that's yeah. how it was done you know yeah, yeah. Um, and what about colour film do you have a preference to colour film no I mean I, I don't even remember the stocks they were Fuji stocks that were used but you know, it doesn't remember, it doesn't I've actually got a roll somewhere but yeah it doesn't yeah there was but Fuji put out some really good film in the end did you shoot slide yeah yeah slide film yeah we saw a bit of slide but not not a great deal uh, it wasn't something we did as a as a rule but the the, the weekly news annual was all shot on slide, so we were given the slide film in case we came across something that we could submit to. But it was only um, when I started the weekly news had stopped publishing, and it was now just an annual. So they um, right went straight to an annual, and so that meant that you know you, I go skiing and I take some training with me and shoot some ski pictures and stuff like that. And so finally, Jeff, thank you so much for talking to me. I just got one more question. Yeah. My buddies, people listening, some of them might be like, okay, look, I want to go out and shoot some pictures that inspired me. Um, what what advice would you give? How would you sort of, how would you, how would you, um, yeah, what, what advice would you give to people who want to go out there and take kind of pictures of, of you know, the world around them? Oh, look, it's a fantastic um, pastime because you're, you're telling the story as you see it. And a photographer alongside you might not see it the way you saw it. So um, you're you're telling your own story, and and that's wonderful. And you've got the advantage these days of almost you know a fraction of the cost of what it would have cost us back in the day, because once you've bought the gear and spend the money on the lenses, you um, 
you basically, it doesn't cost you anything to just wipe that last shoot and say, well, that wasn't really very really good, I'll try again tomorrow. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very cheap pastime compared to what it was. And, um, yeah, I mean, just fall in love with it. It's a fantastic way of expressing yourself and getting some feedback from your opinion. I mean, my son was going off, he's a photographer too, he went off to have his ankle operated on yesterday. And he puts a picture on Facebook of his ankle with a big black arrow pointing to it, saying, you know, this is the one, you know, you know what he's doing, yeah. he's telling a story, you know yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all telling our stories, and, um, but, uh, yeah, see if you can enjoy it half as much as I've enjoyed it, it'll, it'll be fun. It's a, it's a pretty cool thing. So, for anyone, the, the book's called Press Pass, look up Jeff Dale. Um, there's some incredible pictures, and I would point people to, to the Fisher and Chip Brigade picture because I love that picture. It's just so, just tells you everything, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but thanks again, Jeff, and yeah, I really appreciate you. See you before. out there with a camera. Yeah, well, you'll see me out there with my crappy old 1970s Spotmatic. Beautiful. But yep, it's good times. Anyway, cheers. Cheers, mate.